0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Good morning. Hello, strangers. I haven't seen you in how long? Anybody done with snow? If you said no, I'm coming for you. Anybody, like, just finish, like, you just, spring needs to get here. It couldn't come any quicker. I was happy it rained yesterday. It was a step in the right direction, a step, maybe a half of a step towards the right direction, but we're going there. Spring is coming. Man, how many of you missed coming to church on our snow days? Yeah. Yeah. I did too. Listen, um, that announcement that Pastor Charity gave about uh, helping Mission Church this week, I want you to know the reason we're doing that is because the kids that are going to be there, they're all coming from Franklin Elementary, the school we sponsored this year, for brand new coats, hats, and gloves. And so these kids, a lot of them, they don't have groceries throughout the week, and so this is the only time that they eat is at lunch. So we're able to provide that for them. So it's a bigger deal than just doing a good thing. These are our kids, they're our kids, and we're going to take care of them this week, so if you want to be a part of that, make sure you check um, the information center, get some more information on it. Listen, I'm excited to talk to you guys today about a subject that many churches do not cover, and a lot of the church has said, oh, rather not talk about that, we don't really know what to say. Um... And the church doesn't really deal with that. It's just people that don't believe that deal with this. And so today we're talking about mental illness. And we're beginning a series called Are You Okay? And I realize that a lot of you are like, "I don't. what's she going to do? What's she going to say about this? I'm curious. You don't really know. And I'm going to talk to you about what the word of God says. Because this happened in the Bible in a lot of stories. And it's something the church can't deny. And we can't run away from. We have to be able to answer questions. We have to be able to not only help ourselves, but help other people, your loved ones, people that you care about. They're dealing with stuff like this. So I'm going to give you some information today. I really pray that it helps you personally, and it helps you help someone else. Um, the first question we, we ask is why? Why are we going to talk about mental illness these four weeks? Because whether any of us really realize it or not, we all have this in our lives. We either deal with it ourselves or somebody we really love and care about deals with it. Somebody you work with deals with it. it is in your life hello it's in your life. Some either you or somebody deals with this that you know so we 're going to talk about it today and um I just want you to realize that these people, they're in your world and they're in mine. And a lot of times mental illness is something that you cannot see with your eyes. So we act like it's not there. But it is there. It is there. So number one, I realized why, you know, not only is this a big epidemic, but people are embarrassed to talk about it. And I was like, why would people be embarrassed to talk about this? And reason number one is because they're met with judgment. Just plain judgment. And you may say, well, what do you mean by judgment? I mean, people are like, hey, why are you so weak? Snap out of it. You're fine. Your life's great. You don't have anything to be anxious about. You don't have anything to be fearful about. Snap out of it. And you want to know what people that deal with this want to say to you? I never thought of that. Thanks. I never thought about just snapping out of it. You are just the one that um, just blew this thing wide open. Now I know what to do. (laughs) Not the case. That's something you don't say to someone. And if you deal with this and you've had someone say this to you, I can't hide my facial expressions. (laughs) And I can't help but look at them like they're just so foolish. It's not something you just snap out of. Let's stop recognizing it as just no big deal. Mental illness is an illness. It's an illness, and we need to treat it and respond to it with compassion and help instead of judgment compassion and help no one judges people that are diagnosed with cancer and says hey snap out of it just you're fine just snap out of it get it together if have you said that to somebody that has cancer if you did you probably were met with a fist in the face man You just shouldn't say it. But mental illness, it's an illness. We have to look at it like that. You would never say something like that to somebody that has cancer or an illness that you can see. We would never dream of saying it. But why do we do that when it comes to mental illness, when people are dealing with anxiety, when they're dealing with PTSD, when they're dealing with all sorts of different things, panic attacks? Why do we act like, hey, just snap out of it. You're fine. You have nothing to be panicked about. We have to look at this as something that we're to respond to with compassion, with understanding, with understanding. So I want to remove the stigma today that mental illness is a choice. It's not a choice. It's not. It's not. And we got to tear back that curtain and respond to this with compassion and understanding, understanding and healing for people's lives. Because I believe it's possible. As we began to research this, I realized there's five misconceptions that have been fed to us regarding mental illness. And I want to walk you through these because if you're dealing with panic, attacks and anxiety and, and fear and PTSD and all. There's so many. I can't cover them all. But if you're dealing with that today, I want you to know that you can be free. You don't have to live with it the rest of your life. There's things in the Word that can help you. How many of you know that when you walk into a room that's dark, the only reason it's dark is because the lights have not been turned on? So we're going to turn on the light today. And I know some of you may feel and I've felt this before in my life like it's so dark I can't find my way out of this darkness it's just so dark but listen darkness only exists because of the absence of light so we're going to add light we're going to add light darkness is not an entity in itself it exists because of the absence of light No matter how dark the darkness is right now in your life, I want you to know light can destroy it. Light can destroy it. So, here are five misconceptions that people think inside themselves that are struggling with mental illness. Number one, they're told, You're alone. You're alone. Either someone says this to them or it's a thought that comes in their mind. You're alone. You're the only one that deals with this. No one else deals with it. It's just you. There's something wrong with you. Why can't you get it together? Why can't you snap out of it we We begin to feed ourselves and say oh i'm I'm alone. it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. We think no one else is suffering from this. Everyone else around's doing great. Everyone else has the life that they want to have. It's just me. It's just me that's that's dealing with this and That's not true. Let me tell you some of the greatest men in the Bible dealt with mental illness. Did you know that? Some of our heroes, some of the greatest men in the Bible. In Lamentations 3.17 it says, um, if you read it, that there's literally no doubt that at this stage in the prophet Jeremiah's life, he was struggling with depression and most likely panic attacks. I was reading the other day in 2 Corinthians, And it's clear that the Apostle Paul went through a stage in his life of depression. Of depression because he states in that verse, I have been brought to the utter depths of despair. The great prophet Elijah, how many of you know Elijah? Great man of God. The great prophet Elijah, he wanted to just die, he was having suicidal thoughts. Enough to where he's like, I gotta, I'm, he stepped away from his calling for a moment, went up on a mountain and said, God, would you just let me die? So it's not just you or it's not just your sister or your friend or your coworker or your neighbor. Great men and women of God have dealt with this. So you're not alone. You're not alone. And I just wanna say to you that Jeremiah got healed. Paul got healed. Elijah got healed. And if God will heal them, why won't He heal you? Here's a, t- a statistic for you. Did you know that 60 million Americans right now are living with mental illness in their life? 60 million. That's just documented. Imagine the people that aren't that aren't saying anything about it. Example, like one, two, three, four, five. It says that there is one in five people that are dealing with this. Look down your row. Somebody's dealing with it in your row. Another, this is, this is crazy. 40,000 per year now are committing suicide. 40,000, 40,000. And do you know that's two times the homicide rate in our nation? This is, this is shocking to me, that this is, it's such a real thing. Another million attempt suicide but are not successful. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Another suicide has now become the number one killer of people between ages 15 and 24. We have an epidemic in our nation misconceptions you're alone the second one is you're having this problem because you're weak you're having this problem you're going through this right now because you are weak you'd never look at somebody with arthritis and say you're weak did they choose it no So we would never say that to somebody, but it's a misconception that people that are dealing with this are weak. And you maybe think that yourself, that because you're dealing with it, you're weak. Let me tell you, people that deal with mental illness are some of the strongest people I have ever met. So there's hope for you. Here's another lie. Number three, you are hopeless. There's no hope for you. Too many people believe that people with mental illness never get better. That's not the truth. There are things of the word of God that can bring healing to your life. There are natural things that you can do. There are different people you can talk to that can help. There are different things you can take. There are things that can help. There are things that can help. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Listen, there was a future for you before you were here. There was a hope for you before you were here. When you were born, you weren't born to find your hope and find your future. It was already there for you. God has a future and a hope for you. And it says that his thoughts are good towards you. He's not mad. God's not thinking mean, evil, angry thoughts at you. His thoughts are good. They're good. They're good. So why? Why do people get to this point in their life? Because everywhere they look, all they see is darkness. And if you've ever felt this before, you know what I'm talking about. You, you can't seem to see anything else but darkness. And so it changes the way you talk, and it changes the way you, way you move, and the way you act, and it changes where you go. Because all you can see is darkness, Maybe that's you today. You're amazed you even made it to church. I'm proud of you because today you're going to get helped. Life's going to get better. doesn't have to be the way you've been living it. In spite of what you may have heard, in spite of what you may have told yourself, there is healing for you. There is healing for you. God told Jeremiah this in Jeremiah 30:17. He says, I will give you back your health, and heal your wounds. Amazing. In Jeremiah 33, verse 6, it says, Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. The NIV translation says, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy the abundant Peace and security. Behold, I will bring health and cure. I will cure. Can you believe that for yourself today? That that verse wasn't just written for the people of that time. It was written with you in mind. That he would bring you health and cure. It is possible. Let's remember that as Christ followers, and if you're not today and you've come to church and you're not really sure what you believe or if you even really like what's happening here, you're You're welcome to be here. And you're welcome to figure it out. Figure out how you see things. We're we're not saying that if you're in the room, you have to be a believer. But I want you to listen in today to see what this could do for your life. To see what it could do. He says, I will bring health and cure. And I will cure them. He's a healing God. He's the Jehovah Rapha. And that word means healing. He's the God of healing. Not the God of disease or the God of shame or the God of hurt. And He's the God of healing. He's a healing God. James said God is the author of every good and perfect gift. So if there's something in your life and it's not good, it did not come from God. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. So if you have something in your life that matches any of those three things, that's where it came from. Let's put the blame where it belongs. It doesn't belong on God? It belongs on the enemy. Number four: it's your fault that you're this way. It's your fault that you're this way. This one really irritates me, to be honest. Because the Bible says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that God came to bring life and life more abundantly. This one really bothers me. That it's it's your fault that you're this way. See, people don't choose to have panic attacks. People do not choose to have anxiety. People do not choose to deal with depression. And I hate this lie. It's your fault that you're this way. No, it's not. The Bible says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He has plans for you, but so does your God. So does your God. So if we're going to put the blame anywhere today, you're not blaming yourself. You're not blaming the person in your family that's dealing with it. You're blaming the enemy where the blame belongs. And I'll take it even a step further. Even if, and this isn't true, but even if it was your fault, even if you did something that altered your brain or you took something or you drank something or you, were, you watched something or something happened to where it created this for you, even if it was your fault and it's not, but even if it was, even if it was, can I give you a good word? God still forgives and God still restores in spite of what we do. So even if there's still healing, even if God would still heal you, number five, all mental illness is the same. What a lie. What a misconception. Every individual is unique. Every single person in here is unique. So all mental illness is not the same. So with this basic information, I think it's critical for us to know that we're living in a time in our nation where this has become an epidemic. This is something that people are really dealing with. People that you really love and care about, they're dealing with this and they're not saying anything. Because when you deal with this, generally we're, pr- we're prone to close in. And we feel shame and embarrassment about it. But today I want to say there's no shame, there's no embarrassment, but there is healing. There is healing. Hopefully these statistics are waking us up to see that this is all around us. This is no segregated thing, isolated event. No, this is all around us. Every store you go into, people are dealing with, with this right now. In your family, someone is dealing with this. At a, every point in someone's life, they are faced with this. It looks different for everybody, but we, it's all something that we can all have common ground on. Anybody ever been anxious about something? Yeah? Anyone ever felt depressed? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not going to call you out, but you know what I'm saying We've all been there in our lives. Something happened, and it caused this. Maybe you were you never dealt with it before, and then something tragic happened in your life, and now you're really dealing with depression in a way that you never thought you would have to deal with it. It's not the same for everybody. Galatians five one, and I'm going to show you here what the word says. What does God say about that darkness? says in the message translation Christ has set us free to live a free life so take your stand never again let anyone and I put in here or anything put a harness of slavery on you so if you're here today and you've been struggling and you came here today against all of your natural instincts everything told you don't go (laughs) There's going to be a lot of people there just don't go. But you came today. Would you just believe that verse? Would you just believe that instead of the lies? Believe that Christ has set you free to live a free life. Pastor, I don't know if I can. Yeah, you can. You can. We all have to start somewhere. Why not start here? Why not get rid of these misconceptions and say, no, this is what Christ has for me. And we may have to tell ourselves that a hundred times a day, but eventually it'll stick. It'll stick. Says Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Don't let anyone or anything put a harness of slavery on you. You may have had a mom or dad that said, you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. Don't let anyone or anything speak over your life. Something that should not be there. So Jesus, I'm going to talk about this word slavery towards the end, so just keep it in mind. It's going to come back up. But Jesus he came to break the yoke and give us freedom from worry, from our past, from anxiety. Come on, he came to bring that so that we didn't have to live with this. In Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Anybody that's dealt with depression or anxiety or panic attacks, it's a heavy burden. It feels heavy. And he says, I will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i am humble and gentle at heart and you will not you might you will find rest for your souls don't run from him when you're dealing with things like this run to him run to him the night that jesus came peace was released into the earth peace luke 2:14 says this was the night that Jesus appeared, that the angels appeared, that Jesus was going to be born. It says glory to God in the highest. And on earth, now that got my attention because that's where I'm living. And on earth, what's he say about earth? And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Peace for you and I to live. Peace for you and I to experience. The word peace has several definitions. This is one of them. Tranquility of heart arising from reconciliation with God. So your heart is tranquil because there's peace between you and God. I don't know what pastor told you at one point in your life that God was mad at you, but he's not mad at you. There's peace between you and God. There's peace. Peace also means this is my favorite. This is in the literal text. It, trans, it translates to these words. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good towards men. Health. Welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good towards men. So what is coming to you from heaven today? Good. What's coming to your life from heaven tomorrow? Good. In 50 years from now, what's coming from heaven to your life? Good. God has good coming to your life. It says every kind of good. Can you think of good things right now? First thing that came to my mind was chocolate. I don't know why. But that's a good thing. That was a joke, you guys. I'm, it's not, He doesn't say this in the Bible. But he has every, it should, you're right. It has every kind of good. But it says health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. Every kind of good, Philippians 4. Six says, be anxious for nothing. And I read this verse, and my first thought was, is that even possible to be anxious for nothing? Is that, is that even a possibility? God, could I even get there in my life? And I had someone ask me the other, the other day, well, is that how you live? And I said, you know, I'm inching towards it every day. I'm a lot better than I was five years ago. Sometimes I still try to control too much, but listen, God's patient with me, and he'll be patient with you. But it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, the health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, God is saying in that sense of anxiety, I want to come sit in that. I want to come sit in that, and I want to take that from you. I want to give you peace. I want you to be anxious for nothing. 2 Timothy 1.7, this is what the word says about panic and anxiety and all other things. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, when I read this verse, I thought, well, if God didn't give me a spirit of fear, then I don't have to have one. If, if he didn't give it to me, I want all the things God's given to me. I want that health. I want that welfare. I want that prosperity. I want that every kind of good. But it says that he didn't give me a spirit of fear, then I don't want it because it's not good. He has only good coming to my life. And he says that I don't have to have it. So if God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, then I don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to be afraid. He says he's given us a spirit, this is what he has given us of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind, in another translation says, a disciplined mind. We're, we'll get there in a minute. How do you get a sound mind? Some of you are like, great verse, Mercedes. What am I supposed to do with that? How do I get that? Because last night, my mind was anything but sound. How do I get that? How do I get that peace? How do I get that sound mind? Because a lot of times our minds run wild. Have you ever had that happen? Ever been awake at 3 in the morning and your mind was running wild? Ever woken up and you're like, I just can't do it today. I would like to go and restart. The day. I can't. I don't want to do it. I'm not going. Our minds run wild. We can't sleep. We can't drive. Some of us, we feel like we can't get out of bed in the morning. It's, it's a struggle to even get out of bed. Has anybody been there before? It's a struggle to even go on with your day. A lot of times our minds are going wild. You know, after you have anxiety and your mind's running wild, you can't be the father you wanted to be, the one you dreamed about being. You can't be the, the sister or the wife or the husband. Because your sense of peace is, is gone. And it alters the way that you live your life. And it's like you have no control over these crazy thoughts in your mind. Anybody been there? You're like, I cannot reel this in. I don't know what's wrong. I can't get it together. I can't pull my mind in. There are days I'm, this is something, I'm talking to you from a place of understanding because I've dealt with this in my life. And I still, every day, declare that I'm free. But I've dealt with this in my life crazy thoughts but the bible says that god has given us a spirit that will produce soundness in our minds when you deal with anxiety or depression sometimes you feel like you're literally trapped inside your own body and you can't escape what you're feeling you want to you don't want to you don't want to feel what you're feeling but you feel like you're literally trapped people that have dealt with this know what i'm talking about you feel like you're literally trapped inside of your own body, inside of your own mind, and you can't seem to find your way out, so it alters the things you can do in a day because you're just trapped. You're trapped. Second Corinthians 10, and while you're turning there, you know, Proverbs says that there are words that are more valuable than gold, that more valuable than rubies or emeralds or any precious gem, that there are words in the Bible, that are more precious than gold. And to me, what we're about to read is some of those words. For though we walk in flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, every one of us are in a fight. Every one of us. It's different for every one of us, but every one of us are in one. We're in warfare in our minds. And you'll see that in a moment. The war is over what you think. The war is over what's going on in your head. You know, the McGaffin family, the men have predominantly giant heads, okay? <laughs> if you ever, it's true, you've said it, like my brother, if you've ever seen Pastor Mark, but it doesn't seem, for a lot of us, our heads, I love you, aren't that big, okay? And so, but isn't it crazy how much destruction can happen from ear to ear? In this, in this small head, from ear to ear, a war happens inside. Crazy. Proverbs says that what a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our thoughts don't just affect our heads. They affect our hearts. And the way that we think is the way that we'll live. So if you live like you're never going to get better, this is all life has for you, that is what will happen. You'll never get better, and this will be all life has for you. But if you can change your thinking to say, I want these promises from God, life can be different. Proverbs 4:23 says, "To guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it comes the boundaries of your life." Second Corinthians 10:4, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds." Now hear me. There are bad strongholds that I can have and there are godly strongholds I can have. Really, pastor? Yes. If you ever drove down a street, and there were buildings on your right side and buildings on your left side? Let's say all the buildings on your right side were good, and all of the buildings on your left side were bad. Let me tell you, all of those buildings were built the same way. They were built the same way. They were built the same way. Same basic laws of physics were involved and building both buildings. So you can have a good stronghold and you can have a negative stronghold but they are built the same way. And you tear them down based on how they were built. In this next verse, he's gonna explain how strongholds are built in our lives. Starting in verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity Every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now listen to me for the next couple minutes. He's revealed something brilliant to us right here. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show it to you and then I'm going to show it to you in play in a real life instance in the Bible. So what does he reveal to us? That strongholds are the end game. It's a three-step process to build a stronghold in your mind, in my mind. It's a three-step process. If you have a stronghold of depression, of anxiety, of PTSD, these are things that were built. If you have shame, they were built. It was built on these three principles. Have you ever watched a building get blown up? I don't know why you would, but have you ever watched a building get blown up? Um, so they can replace it. It's like, ah, uh, what are you doing Friday night? I'm gonna go watch a building get blown up. Um, before they get dynamite in the building, what do they get first? The blueprints to find out how the building was built. They gotta figure out how this thing was built before they blow it up. They need to see the blueprints. So God has revealed to us here how strongholds get built in our life. Number one, They begin with a thought, a thought, one thought. Every stronghold begins with a thought, a thought that comes to you supernaturally. Maybe it's a great thought. Sometimes darkness whispering in your ear. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to you through a friend, Um, maybe a negative person, maybe a positive person, maybe a family member that you can't stand, maybe one that you love. Um, It can come from well-meaning people. Someone that loves you, they can plant a good thought in your mind, but oftentimes what torments us are evil thoughts. Now science tells us that we literally think thousands of thoughts per day. Most of which are ignored and they disappear. They're ignored, they they disappear, but every once in a while there's a thought that gets traction and it will get footing. Ever had this happen to you? And we literally, all these thoughts, somehow we select that one. And it gets traction. And as it gets traction, we begin to speak it. Begin to meditate on it. We begin to think about it. And it starts getting traction. Come on, we've all seen people talk themselves into things that didn't exist. They thought they were going to die because they read Google, you know, and they put in their symptoms, then they're like, oh, my God, it's my last day. I should live it out, spend all my money today. We've all had people or somebody convince themselves that their husband or their wife is cheating, and that's not even a thought that was in their spouse's mind, but they have convinced themselves that that's what's happening. It's a thought. The Bible says that we need to take our thoughts into captivity. Now, not every thought. That's all you do every day if it was every thought. I'm going to get coffee in the morning. You need to take that into captivity. I'm just, it's, it's not like that, okay? It's like one thought that gets traction. And you all know what thoughts those are that gets traction. I'm talking about thoughts in your mind that get footing. And the word capa- uh, captivity means to subdue it. You're going to like this. The word obedience means you turn the master into the slave. You turn the master into, this, into the slave. Now, listen, this is way too important for you to miss. The Bible says that you can literally take your thoughts that are acting like they are your master, and you can become the master, and they can become your slave. Ever been so tormented by a thought that it was your master? You know what I'm talking about. That's all you were thinking about. But the Bible says you can flip it around and you can become the master of your thoughts. And you can turn those thoughts into your slaves. See, I can't tell you how much this has helped me in my life. To know that my thoughts didn't have to rule me. That just because I thought it didn't mean that it had to go anywhere. Just because I thought it. Because when your mind's running wild, you feel helpless, hopeless, powerless to do anything. But God has empowered you here. When the truth is that Christ became the master so that you could become the master of your thoughts. See, my thoughts anymore, they don't just go run wild. They go where I tell them to go. When I get a thought that's that's not right, I tell it where it can go. I tell it where it can go. And I can put them back in order. Listen, there, there was a, our very first year of marriage, Colin and I, we, um, Listen, i had been sick most of my life. I don't ever talk about this. You guys probably haven't heard. I just, I just don't share it, but I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to today. Um, I've been sick most of my life. And I, our very first year of marriage, my mom and I would go visit my grandpa. Um, he died at 93. Wonderful man. But we would go visit him in Arizona because he had the right idea about not being in this cold. Okay? He was just good. So we went we visited him. And we're at lunch, and before, I had went to a new doctor a couple weeks before we left, and I had a lot of labs and testing done. And we're sitting at lunch, and I wouldn't normally answer my phone when my grandpa was there, but I saw that it was from this doctor, and I honestly forgot that I had had these tests done. Honestly, forgot. And I was like, oh, at that moment, I should probably answer this. I answered it, and the doctor proceeded to tell me, What was wrong with me? I'm not going to go into much detail. It was an autoimmune disease. I'm not going to go into details of what it was. But she said this is way more progressed than for most people. And this, she started listing things I was going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. And when she started listing them, I remember sitting there and I felt like I wasn't even in the same room with my family That was all that was around. It was darkness. And I hung up the phone, and I couldn't speak. I couldn't tell my mom, Asked like, what happened. I couldn't, I could not physically bring myself to answer her. It took me a few minutes, and I finally told her what they said. And she told me, well, you have to take that thought into captivity. Because if you believe that over your life, you'll see that over your life. But if you believe God's promises, that's what you'll see. So in a moment where I really, and they still say I have it. And guys, I still deal with symptoms every day of my life. I do. I take things. I take a lot of different medicines. I take a lot of different precautions. I eat differently. Listen, I did all I could do. And I'm doing all I can do. But I'm like, God, I'm not going to let the thoughts of this stupid disease take over my life. I'm not going to not do things because I'm afraid. You have to learn to take your thoughts into captivity and not let things that burden you take over you. The Bible says we can give that over to God. If the thought does not line up with what God says about you, then it didn't come from God. These are things, if I hear these phrases, or if you hear these phrases, this is how I tell when it's something that's not right and it's not from God. Sometimes in your mind, it just goes so fast, you don't really stop to think about this. But if you would think about what you're thinking about, these are phrases to tell you that This is not God. This is a thought you should take captive. What if? But what if? What if is the sound of fear? And God says you don't have to have fear. Second, yeah, but. Yeah, but. uh, Where you're like, yeah, I agree, but you don't understand. You don't understand where I'm at, what my life has been, and you're right. I've never been in your life. I may not understand it, but the word of God doesn't change because you've dealt with something, and I've dealt with something different. It's the same for everybody. The third one is how. How will you know? How will it happen? How is it going to work? These are thoughts that end up getting traction when they shouldn't. You know what I'm talking about. The treadmill starts going in your mind and before you just kind of were like uh i might step on it and then you stepped on it and it started going so fast you flailed off the treadmill have you ever seen those videos it's literally what's happening to you in your mind we can't worry about the house you know i discovered a long time ago that god loves the house he loves to take care of the house how's it going to work I got it. How am I going to do it? I'll help you. He loves the hows. He loves to take care of them. So I hand them over to him to worry about. Not acting, I'm not saying and being completely ignorant, saying that they're not there and it's not valid things. But I'm like, God, I don't really want to carry this one. Here you go. I don't really want to deal with the how. I'll let you deal with the how. How? I'll let you deal with the how. So your thoughts are really your slaves, and you bring them into captivity. You got to know the word of God, because how will you know if it's from the word of God or not from the word of God if you don't know the word of God? This will help you in, in, in dealing with this and helping people. Give them things that they can, they can actually see that says something different than what they're feeling in that moment. This contradiction now is exalting itself above the knowledge of God. At first, it gets pulled, gets traction, and then it exalts itself. It makes it seem too big for God to handle. That's where your mind goes out of control. Out of control. And it feels like a tornado. You're like, I couldn't grab something out if I wanted to. Like, I just, I feel like I'm in a whirlwind. And science tells us that reasonings produce conduct. So example, you're you're driving. Well, that person cut me off. So I'm going to cut them off. See how they like it. Come on, you know you do it. Don't be lying in here. You know. You know you got some road rage. You're like, listen, lady, left lane is not just to drive on. Okay? Get over. You all know. If you ever ride with me you'll see it I try to contain it but it won't work (laughs) are you glad you came today you getting helped all right let's see it in the bible we're going to see where this pattern was manifested Genesis 3 Adam and Eve are having a good day in the garden a good day serpent slithers up to Eve that would have been my first like hello snake But whatever, maybe they were friendly and they smiled, but I don't know. So the snake comes up to her. Hey, God told you you can't eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Thought. Why? And the thought came. It's just a thought. Why? Now, some of us are thinking, well, what should she have done? It was speaking to her. It's rude not to reply, you know? What should she have done? She should have said, I am the master of this garden. God put me and my husband in control. I did not ask you to speak to me. Shut up and get out. But what she did, why? Well, let me think about it. Um, and you know, if we don't deal with the thought when it comes, it becomes next a contradiction. So the serpent says next. It became a thought, and now he's going to contradict the word. He says, you won't die. You won't. Uh, I know God said it, but it will not happen. How many of you have had that happen? I know God said you'd be healed, but it's not going to happen. I know God said that you could have peace, health, wealth, prosperity, all every kind of good, but it's not going to happen. So it's this thought that happened, got traction, and now it's contradicted what God has said. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Or had this happened to you? And then she didn't deal with it again. Now I'm not saying that Adam and Eve, like I'm putting them down because, listen, I don't know if I would have been any different in this situation. But again, after it said, you won't die. No, God said it, but it won't happen. She should have said, "Shut up and get out." Then what happened? Then it says, she looked on the tree and saw. So now her imagination came into play. First, it was a thought, then a contradiction, and now her imagination came into play. and it was something to be desired, and she took it and she ate it with her husband. And the human race from then until now has been dealing and had to fight with strongholds of fear and sin in our lives that came into them that day. Because it was a thought that became a contradiction, then an imagination came to play, and now it's a stronghold. How did that happen so fast? It was a thought, then it became a contradiction and now it's a stronghold. How all of a sudden did I just see a blank canvas and now there's a huge building there? Because it was a thought, then it became a contradiction and now your imagination comes into play with it. So how do you get rid of a stronghold? You go to the foundation. It's called renewing your mind. You put in thoughts Of the word, and those thoughts start blowing up strongholds of fear and shame and anxiety and condemnation in your life. It's so important. Listen, mental illness is something that a lot of people deal with. I've dealt with it in my life. And I'm not saying that after today you'll never have to deal with it again. What I am saying is there's things that you can do that will help and will help set your mind free. So some of those things that you're anxious about, you don't have to be anxious about them because God's going to take care of you. There's some things that maybe you're you've been depressed about. There are things, there are people, there's counseling you can get, there's things you can take and then besides all of that, I believe it's it's good but what are you going to put in to replace that fear and that anxiety? In moments, I've, I've had panic attacks many times in my life. And I, one I had about six months ago in the middle of the night. I don't know what happened. I woke up. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was trapped inside of myself. I didn't even honestly know what I was anxious about. But it was a feeling that just came. And my husband woke up because he, he I don't know what, but I must have been doing something weird that woke him up. And he grabbed my face, looked me in the eye and said, this is not real. Breathe. Breathe. I said, I can't breathe. You can. Breathe. And he began to pray over me and he began to read scripture to me. And it eased my soul. Some of you are thinking, I don't have somebody to do that for me. Listen, in a moment when you're feeling anxiety and panic, because there's things in life, let's be honest, it happens to all of us. In those moments, we have to grab those thoughts. Go back to the foundation and say... Mm-mm. Shut up and get out. Come on, and you may not even feel powerful when you do it. You may quiver and shake. But your voice is the same power as if Jesus Himself was saying it. So even if your voice shakes, you tell it to shut up and get out. And there'll be freedom for you in that moment. And I'm not saying you shouldn't seek help or you shouldn't take the med. I'm just, I'm not even going there. We'll talk really, we'll get really deep into this the next few weeks. This is just the opener. But listen, your thought life is so important. That's why the enemy goes for it. That's why he tries to fill you with fear because he knows if he can get you to think you can't, you won't. But if for a moment you would just Put all of those aside and say maybe God did really give me freedom to live a free life. Another, another scripture says he gave you freedom to live this wide open, spacious life. And that meant a lot to me in anxiety because when I feel anxiety, there's nothing spacious about it. I feel confined. I feel, I feel stuck. I feel like I can't move. But God promised me a wide open, spacious life life of freedom. So in moments where that contradicts what he said, I begin to speak it. Even if I don't feel it, not really sure, I just begin to repeat it. I begin to tell my body what it's going to do. We can become the master instead of the slave in our own bodies, in our own minds. It starts from ear to ear. We've got to get it under control. We've got to grab those thoughts and say, you're not even going to get traction, baby. I'm not even going to give you any room would you stand with me to your feet today? I want to pray over you. And listen, I'm, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands. Or I'm not going to, nobody's going to come and touch you. Or nothing's falling from the sky. So you can, you can relax. You're safe. Nobody's going to do anything to you. But if you, if you would, would you just close your eyes for a moment? And can I pray over you? Listen, God knows the things that you struggle with the things that you've kept in the dark that you were too ashamed or you just didn't think anybody would understand so you didn't say it, he knows. And he says, he will give you rest. And he doesn't just say it for your neighbor. You may think, well, I've done too much. There's nothing you could have done that will stop him from giving you this rest. Nothing. So if you feel comfortable Those of you who would like to, you can raise your hands. You don't have to do what you're comfortable with, but I'm going to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person who is here in this room today, every person that's going to be listening to this later. God, I thank you that you know what to do. You know what they're dealing with in their life. God, you know what their loved one's dealing with. And Father, you didn't bring them here today by an accident. You brought them here to say you can have freedom, and here's how you can help free someone else. And I believe today, God, that your word has brought light into the darkness that may be existing in so many lives of people in here today. Lord, I know that there are people in here that are struggling with anxiety, God. I've struggled with that. They're struggling with panic attacks. They're struggling with fear. They're struggling with depression, God. And it's crippling them from living the life that they've always dreamed of living. God, I've been one of those people. I've felt weak before. God, I've felt hopeless. But I know, God, that you will bring them health and cure like your word says. Not to say they will not never feel anxious again in their life. But now, God, they have the right tools to know what to do when moments like that happen to pull out your word, to have these scriptures to begin to say. Lord, and I thank you that that light has come on into our lives. God, we pull back that curtain, and we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And keep your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here today, and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And you say, I'm not a child of God, but I, I want to be a child of God. I don't necessarily even understand all of it. I, I didn't really get what this place was going to be when I came, but I'm feeling like there's something tugging on me right now. Well, the Bible says that God comes to the door of your heart, and he knocks. And if you'll open it, he will come in, and these promises will be yours. I can't be free on my own, but I can be free because he made me free. There's nothing I can do to make me free but God already made me free. How does Christ get in you? You're like, that sounds weird. Listen, the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you will be saved. Listen, we all need a savior. None of us are good on our own. We all need a savior. And if you're like, I just never really, I just don't really understand. I never felt comfortable. But for some reason, I feel like God's just pulling on my heart. Listen, God wants to come into your life today in the form of his son and bring freedom to areas that have felt dark to you. And in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer and I'm not, I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand. All I'm gonna ask you to do, because I know that people that deal with anxiety in settings like this, it is very scary. It's a feeling we're not used to. But I'm gonna ask you if that is something you want today, we're all gonna pray this prayer together so nobody's gonna make you do it by yourself, but would you just open your eyes? If that's you and you would like to receive Jesus, or you're saying, I've, I've done it before, but I just don't like how I've been feeling. Like, I don't feel like I'm close to God. I don't understand why I feel this way, but I don't want it. I want what you're talking about. Will you pray with me? Yes, I'll pray with you. Open your eyes if that's you today. Listen, I'm going to give you these words to pray. And they don't mean anything unless you give them meaning. So I'm going to give you these words, but you today are going to give them the meaning. And everybody in this room is going to say it with you so you don't feel by yourself. Nobody's going to be looking at you. But let's pray this today. I believe if you would like that, and I see some of you with your eyes open, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Would you say this with me, church? Say, dear Jesus, I need you. God, I'm going to live my life differently today. I'm doing something I don't, I've never really felt comfortable doing. But God, I wanna bring you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. God, live big in me. Teach me how to live. Teach me how to have control over my mind. Sit on the throne of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe you became a child of God today. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.